revitalize it all. Hi, uh, my name is Mara McLeod. I'm a junior at YSU also. I'm a history major, and I'm now, to, and now down to just two minors. There was three before. You're going to hear a lot of, like, triple minors. Triple and, <laughs> yeah. I don't understand how they do um, So my minors now are political science and communication in diverse organizations. Um, I really have always just had a passion about making the world better. Ever since I was little, I talked about being the president. And... So I really want to take that and start at my home. And rather than just jumping to, oh, let's run for president, I really want to work and make where I'm from better because I feel like I owe it to this area because they made me. So. Hi, I'm uh, Evan Che. I am a sophomore here. I'm a graphic and interactive design major. Uh, the reason I took this class was when I was recruited here to play baseball. There was a lot of uh, negative comments from people outside, oh, Youngstown, blah, 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 oh, you should watch out for, you know, kidnappings and all that, so <laughs> I think when I got here, it's important to, you know, try to get rid of that stigma and try to better understand the area. I'm Emily Smith, I'm a sophomore here, I'm studying business administration and fashion merchandising, I'm a co-owner of Cozy Coffee Bar out in Canfield, and I took the class because I wanted to do more hands-on in Youngstown. Um, when I was little, I had the stigma. I didn't want to go to Youngstown State because it was in Youngstown. And I'm a current business owner in the area, so I want to be able to bring this area up as well. Uh, my name is Megan Evans. I'm a senior um, here. I am a triple major in linguistics, English, and sociology. Uh, I want to become a sociologist and do research uh, and become a professor. So. I care, I guess, a lot about civic innovation, change, and making the world a better place, too, so that's why I'm taking the class. My name is Daniel Salak, and I'm a major in business administration with a triple minor in entrepreneurship, employee relations, and economics and statistics. And I took the class because I was interested in gaining a greater understanding of the municipal system and the efforts at work in our area to improve it. Well, I'm Frank Beck, and I'm sensing the theme here is triple majors. So <laughs> the reason that I am here is uh, your professor uh, beat me in golf because I had too many triple bogeys. <laughs> That's pretty good. I'm actually uh, wear several hats. I have a private dental practice in Boardman that I've had for over 25 years. I am the um, general practice dental residency director at Mercy Health Systems. And I am the chairperson of the section of oral medicine at Neomed uh, at Rootstown. So one of my interests in this area is, one, I recruit residents just like one would recruit baseball players. So I need to sell this area. I want to make it uh, attractive so that I can get the, the best. And Navy SEAL Team 7 assembled at our program as well. So. Uh, and there's a lot to sell. I'm pretty passionate and enthusiastic about where it is we live. Uh, second area is, is this was a great place to raise a family. Uh, we, we, my wife's actually from New York. We looked at New York. I had a number of opportunities to uh, teach as well as practice there. And I think one of the biggest benefits of our area is, is a great sense of core values a sense of community, and a sense of commitment. And I think we're all living that as we're about this area. Kind of excited to share with you what, you know, what, my, what my organization, Mercy, does, not only for the area, but for the state. Great. And uh, <clears throat> I had a chance to meet all of you, but I'm John McNally, I'm mayor of the city of Youngstown. I've been mayor since uh, January 1st, 2014. Um, pretty much lived in Youngstown my entire life. I uh, went to St. Ed's Junior High School, or grade school, up on the north side. Uh, went to Ursuline High School. Uh, Dr. Beck's father, Frank, was my basketball coach. Um, his wife, who must be a, a lot younger than him, was my chemistry teacher. <laughs> Much brighter than I was. Well, but, uh, a great yeah. chemistry teacher. And I probably would have been a chemistry teacher. She was, she was that... That good, but after like the th third quarter of the year, we had a student teacher, and that person just wrecked chemistry for the last quarter of the year. Yeah. So, uh, I, maybe that's how I ended up in this lifestyle. But um, 
Portland, I went to uh, I went to Georgetown University and then got my uh, bachelor's degree there, and then to Cleveland State for my law degree and a master's in public administration. And um, when I was up in Cleveland, I worked for a couple of firms when I was in, in law school, and one of them um, really focused on municipal labor relations. And with my master's work in public administration, I was started to work with some small town mayors and law directors up there you know, on labor negotiations and got interested in how cities and their employees sort of work together. Um, my, my first year, the first job out of, out of law school was in Columbus with the state. <clears throat> I was down there for about 18 months and then moved back home to Youngstown to work for Mayor McKelvey at the time. This would have been in uh, March of 1998. Uh, Came back as an assistant law director, handled handle the city's labor uh, and employment matters and all personnel issues, and that's really where you know I began to you know work with city council people, work with our employee groups, work with with my bosses, work with the mayor, and work with members of the public on a lot of municipal issues. I, I was assistant law director for five years, and then I became the law director. Uh, and worked directly with Mayor McKelvey and our finance director, Dave Zanich, who's still with the city now. Uh, then I decided, you know, I, I was always, I want to say shy, but not very outgoing person. And, um, but while I was working for the city, uh, I realized if I wanted to live here in my <clears throat> period of time in, what, two, 1990. Nine, I think I got married. Ninety-eight, and got married. Yeah, <laughs> better remember up, that. coming up on my eighteenth anniversary. <laughs> I better bone up on that one pretty soon. Um, we got married in ninety-eight, and my first child came along a couple of years after that. But I knew that I was going to be staying in Youngstown. My parents were still here. I'm the oldest of four kids. My three siblings are have all left Youngstown. They all have families elsewhere. Uh, my wife is the youngest of six kids. All of her siblings are still here, and her mother's still alive. Her mother's 85. So I knew, uh, you know, quite frankly, we, we weren't going to be leaving Youngstown anytime soon, and that uh, I needed to be more involved, not just advising people on what I thought the right decision were or advising them legally, but <clears throat> helping make those decisions. So I decided to run for office. I was a, a county commissioner for eight years, um, and then finished up my second term as a county commissioner and, and had been planning on running for mayor. Um, had, I live on the west side of Youngstown out near, out near St. Christine's uh, Church. And um, I just knew that eventually I was going to run for mayor. I, I know in the first and second grade I knew that the mayor of Youngstown was for, uh, a guy named Jack Hunter. I always paid attention to sort of politics and government. Um, even though most of, most of my jobs have been in the government service, the job I have now is the best one. Um, I think, Mar, you were talking about being involved with people and being involved locally. I think in government you truly see the effects of decisions that are made and actions that are taken on a local community <clears throat> at your most basic level, like a city council person uh, or a mayor or even a, even a township trustee or something like that. You, you see some how your decisions affect people. I think the higher you go up, it um, becomes a little more difficult to stay grounded to what's going on in your community and what people are facing every day. Um, I'm pretty um, accessible to people, and as mayor, um, everybody really knows, especially in the city, who the mayor is, but out around the city, they all generally know who the mayor is as well in the townships and, and the rest of the county. Uh, when I became mayor, <clears throat> right before I started, I went to a conference at uh, Harvard for new mayors, and uh, it was for mayors, cities uh, over 50,000 people, and I think I was the smallest city mayor at that point in time, with 65,000 people living in Youngstown. And Wellington Webb, who was a former mayor of Denver, <clears throat> he was mayor of Denver for like 17 years, said, look, some of you might be county commissioners, some of you might have been board education members, maybe you're a business person, maybe you've been a city council person. Nobody knew who you were in those positions. He said, trust me, nobody really knew who you were. He said, but now you're the mayor of a city, whether it's 50,000, 65,000, 250,000, a million. Everybody's going to know who you are, and um, that's very true. When I walk down the street, hey, Mayor, how's it going? I mean, from people I know, and then from people I have no clue what's going, who, 
no clue who they are. They know me. So I truly believe that they look at the mayor's office and they look at the people in those serving those positions as very, very key people to the community as a whole, and they are probably the key decision maker and um, <clears throat> can be the most, fo most forceful for a community, and not just in Youngstown, but, but anywhere pretty much on the, on the planet as, as mayors go. So I've um, been in it for almost three years now. Um, been a lot of fun. Um, people come and see me. People stop in, uh, have a cup of coffee with me sometimes. Dealing with City Council, had a meeting with Dominic here earlier today. Deal with Dr. Beck and, and Mercy Hospital on some projects that we're working on to help improve the uh, downtown and north side. So um, a lot of things going on, but I really do think that at a, at a local level, um, the, the, what I would consider the local offices are the ones that you really can make the most difference to people. Fantastic. Great, great <coughs> introduction. Um, I think it's interesting how no matter whether, whether it's been public, private, or nonprofit sector, uh, we've, we've heard a lot of reoccurring themes. You know, no matter, you know people, you don't know people, but you always got to be on your game because someone knows you. Um, and, and Dr. Beck uh, mentioned, you know, cross-sector collaboration and working with each other. Um, again, reoccurring themes, I think that's something that is important that we identify and, and, uh, and apply to the projects we're doing and obviously beyond this class. So at this point, um, uh, you know, I'd leave it open to you guys. I first couple times I was the one asking the questions. Uh, I think Evan, we bat and lead off for us again. Uh, you do a nice job, but this is your time. You, you have an interface with you know, two community leaders from their respective uh, professions and sectors. Um, I, I'll let it, you know, it's your call if you want to focus on why they, are cho you know, chose Youngstown. I think you heard a, a brief overview of maybe some of the decisions or occurrences that happened, why they're here and they're staying here. Um, or you can dive in, you know, tell them about what projects you're working on and ask specific questions of how to maybe uh, bolster or affect your your upcoming project implementation. So I will leave it up to you, but uh, if, if you want, Evan, you could obviously get it started as you have been. All right. Um, well, I know, Ms. Mayor, you, you uh, talked about when you were younger, you paid attention to some of the mayors that were mm -hmm. current. Well, for both of you, um, what are some of your passions, um, and have they changed as you, you know, grown older and experienced different things from, you know, when you might have first started college or high school even? Well, I think uh, to, <clears throat> for me to be in a public sector position like this, <clears throat> you obviously have to be passionate about the job. I mean, being mayor is um, it's a full-time job. I mean, it's pretty much 24-7 uh, just in terms of when you're out in public, you're always out in public, and you might be at the MVR with your family having dinner or at the Avalon, and people are going to come up and say hi, and they're going to say, hey, i got this house next door to me, and it's been vacant for 27 years, and I'd love to have it torn down. So you have to get used to that. Uh, but in more importantly, and maybe more, in a more difficult manner, your, your family has to get used to that too. Um, frequently I'll be out you know, maybe at the Campfield Fair or baseball fields, and you know, I'll start walking and talking to people, and my wife and kids are you know, 37 yards ahead of me because I... I I'm always talking to people. So I guess my main passion right now is the city. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I'm, I'm, as I said before, I'm married. I've got two, two daughters, one who's 13, one who's 10. Um, I have to be uh, a father, father to them. I coach softball. I help coach soccer, so I still do that stuff. And that was sort of the bargain. Uh, when my wife and I talked about me running for mayor, that I had to be there for those types of, of activities. And... Um, because that's the way my parents were, that's the way her parents were. So you got to juggle some of that stuff, um, but I need to be passionate about my family and what they're going through in their lives. I just sort of <clears throat> grimaced at the phone because a soccer game that my daughter was supposed to have tonight at 8 and now been rescheduled tomorrow night at 9, so that upsets the That's even apple. better. It's Friday night. It's a Friday, Friday night, night, so I want to go spend Friday night indoors <laughs> watching soccer. But I, I would say it's mostly for me, it's, it's about the city. Um, you know, besides my wife and kids, um, you know, personally, I'll play a little golf every once in a while, but... Um, no triple bogeys, though. Uh, yeah, maybe not, <laughs> but um, I don't, beyond that, I don't do, I don't do much. Well, <clears throat> uh, I think passion, when, when you look at, at, at getting a balance in your life, and 
one of the issues is uh, families, uh, you know, you talk about the Triple Cross, you, you know, your God, your religion, whatever that might be, your family, and your work. And um, those, those are the passions that I have, and that's actually the, the order in which, which I share that as well. Uh, regardless of, of what your, your God or your religion is or however you choose to practice, I think that all of us uh, altruistically have a great sense of community, uh, doing what's right for others. Uh, and as, as you evolve in, in healthcare, it's interesting, uh, much like the mayor, I, I maintain my private practice where I can touch a patient one-on-one -on -one and, and actually see uh, the results of my surgical intervention and, and, and get to have a relationship with that patient. But as I've evolved uh, down my career path, I also have a passion for uh, community health. So I can, I can see what impact programs and interventions that we develop and implement have an effect on the health of the community and um, generations. And obviously, as the mayor so diplomatically and politically correct alluded to, my wife did teach him. Uh, I married extremely young, right? She was, she was uh, what, three decades younger than I, I suppose. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, it, it is kind of funny because when we go out now, uh, individuals uh, that she taught or had assumed to become rather prominent community leaders and, uh, in the area, and it's somewhat, uh, it, it's interesting because she still looks like she's 30 years younger than me. So that's, <laughs> so that's my passion and that's, that's our, our triple play that way. And, and, and much like the mayor, I, uh, my day starts at 4.30, so I always have time to spend with my family. I, I was basketball coach, soccer coach, uh, wanted to be involved with my kids and always made sure uh, I was part of that. And now I'm excited. I have two grandkids that just moved back from uh, Vegas. I guess I should give their parents credit as well. They came too. And so we're, we're back, and, and so we're getting re-involved on that. But uh, it, it's a nice balance, and uh, that's, that's my passion. You know, sometimes they say, if you choose a, a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. That's, that's how I feel blessed about that. Two, two interesting themes, I think, from a great question, Evan, and awesome answers. But we heard a lot about from our last speakers, balance, you know, and you guys are your honors students. You got triple majors, minors, and something I, you know, even you know, both of these gentlemen have helped me is when you say no or when you realize you can't do everything. And it's okay when things maybe don't work out as planned. So something that you all need to learn and you're not going to, it's not, there's no silver lining. It's experiences growing up. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's doing things. You learn what you need to prioritize. And I think they both uh, kind of compounded on some of the past speakers we've heard. And I did find it interesting that, you know, they're both here for a reason, you know, marriage, family, job opportunities. But um, between both of them and, and Dr. Beck's comments, he's two grand, two grandkids moved back with your your, your daughter and your son-in-law come back from Vegas. So there's a lot of opportunities out west and in Vegas. I think it's interesting maybe, you know, as you continue to ask questions, why they came back or how they made it possible to come back. So just something to think about. Keep going, Evan, if you got more. Anybody else, feel free to jump in. Um, well, mine's, mine's addressing more something specific. Um, I was really fascinated by the recent decision to bring refugee families to Youngstown. Um, I, I really enjoy that idea, especially <coughs> since not only is America a melting pot, but this area specifically. I know I'm from Irish and Italian descent, as a are a lot of people in Youngstown. Um, and I, fir I first just wanted to say I really respect that decision. Um, thank you for doing that. Um, and I wanted to ask, when you're approaching controversial decisions like that, things that you know are the right thing to do morally and that you really want to fight for, how do you approach that knowing that so many people are probably going to have a strong opinion against it or you could lose supporters? Okay. Well, I think the first thing to know, if you want to be in public service, <clears throat> you have to have very thick skin. Uh, so that's the most, probably one of the most important things. And 
you you know it's the cliches about <clears throat> letting something go in one ear and out the other or letting it roll right off your back I mean literally that's what you have to be able to do uh, when you're getting ready to make a decision on on some things <clears throat> uh, you have to have a, a certain attitude um, I'm not sure if I can say the words out loud but um, you, you just have to you, once recording. you make your mind up um, you know you got a little bit of time to maybe waffle maybe consider the pros and cons of what your decision is but I think once you make a decision you need to push forward and unless something really catastrophic happens you just need to keep pushing forward now like on the issue of refugees um, that's not I mean I've been working with the Catholic Diocese a little bit on that and, and Father Bergner from the diocese would like to bring um, a small amount of, of Syrian and Congolese refugees to Youngstown through Catholic Charities through the Department of State and this is the refugee program that where you go through a two-year vetting process it's not your uh, quite frankly your illegal immigrant who just ran across a hole in a wall in a border somewhere uh, these are folks who have been through a lengthy process. Um, there's really nothing, there's nothing definite about the program yet so far. It still needs to get State Department approval. Um, you know, I think Father Bergner might want to bring over the next few years 25 to 30 people. They try to relocate refugees into areas where there's already a community of the same background of people. Um, so there's really nothing set in stone yet. I mean, it's <clears throat> it's an interesting topic just because of the presidential election right now. And uh, at the event at the diocese, we had some folks very much in favor, and we had very much uh, folks opposed to the issue. Um, you know, we haven't. I got some t emails the other day about you know we haven't established Youngstown as a, a sanctuary city or any of these other terms that are out there. Uh, I think we're just looking that to do what we think is the right thing for a small amount of people. Um, we certainly have enough housing stock available to help people out. Um, but I, I think it's still a little bit of a work in progress. Um, similarly, I think Channel 27 did a feature you know, on our east side of Youngstown. We have uh, Corrections Corporation of America, which is a private prison on Hubbard Road, which if you know about it, that's fine because you don't really ever hear anything about it except when you know they, they lost a contract for 1,400 beds of um, which were largely Hispanic uh, federal detainees uh, that were uh, immigration and customs violators. That truly the immigrant who crosses the border and is an illegal alien. Um, CCA is working on um, another contract with Immigrations and Customs to bring, uh, I believe, largely uh, Haitian illegal aliens, um, but detainees of the federal government in custody of the federal government to that private prison. Um, you know, that could bring back another 200 jobs to that facility. Uh, two years ago or three years ago, we were earning about $480,000 a year in income tax from that facility. Now we're down to about uh, 175, so it's a, it's a kick to our budget. Um, and, and some folks were saying that we were going to house Haitian refugees in, in the prison, which is not the case. If we do anything, if CCA does anything, it will be housing detainees who are going to be removed out of the country at some point in time. Um, so that the discussions, because I had somebody come in today and ask me some questions, the discussion between refugees and immigrants and illegal aliens and detainees is... Um, it's not all the same discussion, um, but in terms of the refugee issue, I think the way I've been taught, the education that I've had, you know, if you can lend a, a hand to some folks who uh, are here for legitimate reasons and want to be le legitimate people in our community and be taxpayers and be raise their families and work, uh, I, I don't think it's that big of a, uh, for me, it's not that difficult of a decision. It did, that did not fall into a difficult decision for me. Thank you. <clears throat> I might piggyback on something I learned in senior leadership and echoes because uh, that's, that's a good point that I didn't learn until later in life, thick skin or not. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my senior leadership training and guidance, uh, one of the speakers who was a, a, a nationally prominent CEO, uh, entertained the, the question similar and his comment was if you are in a leadership position 
and there are not people shooting arrows at your back and, and attacking you, you are not doing your jobs. So stop and think about that sometime. You are not, there's a bell curve and you are never going to please everybody even if it, if it appears to be the simplest. You know, my, my dad was a basketball coach and his point was if he went 18-0 and, and, and won every single game, there would still be people talking about what an idiot he was because he wasn't playing the right combination of players. And if he, if he were 0-18, he'd be an idiot because he had an awful record. So remember that, and I think that's a good point. You, you'd be deliberate and, and make your decisions based upon sound and, and logical fact sets and, and, and expect it coming from both sides because regardless of where you are, it comes. Yeah. And if, <clears throat> if you can explain your decision to people, and I'm sure that Frank probably deals with this a lot, if you can explain the reason why you're supporting a particular position, most reasonable people are going to say, okay, I, I may disagree with you, but I understand why you came to that decision. And in terms of who supports you or who votes for you, nobody's going to agree with me 100% of the time. If they do, um, you know, they probably should get their head examined. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's... Uh, as soon as, in my position as an elected official, as soon as you start making decisions, you're making somebody mad. Somewhere along the line, all my decisions are making somebody or some group unhappy. And you just hope that it's not the same group all the time, because everybody can take a little bit of disappointment, but just not disappointment repeatedly. Yeah, I think some, some of the things I noticed, themes again, reoccurring themes from our past speakers and topics, making decisions and living with decisions, right? That was something I think some of the private business owners uh, definitely touched on. Um, I think it was Ian Beniston from YNDC talked about our housing stock and, you know, the ability to uh, potentially house, you know, uh, whether it be immigrants or refugees. So there's, again, some overarching between sectors. And then uh, I think it was... Was it you that asked about homelessness in the last class when we stayed a little late? Carly. Yeah. So one of our students who couldn't be here today is very interested in homelessness. And, you know, we had a little bit of uh, extra time at the end of last class, and we went a little back and forth, and I played, I played devil's advocate, and I, I said I, I didn't really, you know, I live downtown, there's a tent city, but realizing why some people were vehemently against homelessness support and some that were uh, in, in extreme favor of, of, of supporting those individuals. And I told, you know, I attended some meetings and a council meeting, and I started to learn the different tiers of homelessness, right? You know, you have, you have veterans, you have people that choose to be homelessness, and then you have people that, you know, can't get out from what under uh, rep they're in. So I thought it was kind of interesting, you know, refugees. There's, there's, certain, there's types of refugees or immigration and vetting process. So it's important, like the mayor said, Making decisions is one thing, but how you got to that decision, it's important that you document that, whether you know you do that with it internally or with your team or whatnot, but you're validating why you're, why you're doing something. I mean, even the, the mayor said we had a meeting earlier today. The meeting was the easy part. It was getting the information before then so you could present it to the different people in that room and understanding a little bit about each what person, what, what each person might be looking for and who they represent, right? Because so, they have to make decisions and they're accountable to their constituents. So great ideas are great, but you got to think them through. Any other questions? I have a question. Um, so like, since I want to eventually do research and be a professor and things like that, how can you, um, I guess, get you know city officials to listen to you with your research and some of the data you collect um, in order to implement like positive change? Well, I think we're, uh, we're actually trying to use the university through the through the Ready program to help us with a lot of. We have writing. an internship for you if you want. Yeah, uh, I mean, we we entered into a contract with the university and the Ready program for up to two hundred thousand dollars worth of basically uh, grant writing and internship work, um, exploring different ways that uh, you know we can find money. We've asked Dominic's helping us on a, a grant to the EPA on some brownfield issues. Think he's going to be helping us with a grant application to the Department of Labor uh, or the Department of, Department of Transportation um, for a, a five-year pilot program that the federal government wants to do uh, with with local communities. So, um, 
we're always looking because one of the things when I first came into office is the issue of capa capacity and you know City Hall and the staff that we have there uh, has a you know a lot of folks get their jobs through the civil service system and the civil service testing process I'll be honest isn't that rigorous and so you get people that are in secretarial positions and clerks positions and they can work their way up to some other positions but um, the capacity that can get done in a day's work sometimes is not as much as I would like to see get done. And so if we're able to make arrangements with the university, with academics, uh, with students who you know, in an honors program who want to take on some extra assignment, if we can pay for that work, if we can get free work to help build up our capacity, but then also help you with your career or you with your advancement, um, we're always looking to do something like that. So that, that's a benefit to us. Uh, you know, a guy like John Braylich here at the, at the university and his GIS skills, uh, he is, you know, sort of on the hotline with our planning department, and, and Ian Beniston probably talked about that. Uh, you know, anytime I need a map, I, I call up one of our folks in our planning division, and I say, can you call Braylich and tell him I, I want to see a map like this? And we got maps like this all over the place. And um, so it's just one way that, you know, we look to partner with the university. Um, over time, you know, the, the city, downtown, City Hall, and the university campus at times didn't have the best relationship. And even though they're, you know, within a quarter mile of each other, there wasn't much discussion going on. Now it's like nonstop discussions that go on, whether it's myself and President Tressel, we, we talk probably once every week or two weeks. Uh, folks are ready we, we always see out at different events or you know different meetings um, you know the provost we see the facilities department I'm working on Lincoln and Wick and Mr. Hyden and, and the work and Danny O'Connell we're going to be doing some work to I think put some new street signs up around campus that will reflect more the university uh, logo uh, not just your plain old green uh, street signs uh, I mean, things like that, those are little things, but they help improve the look of the, of the university. And let's face it, the university is in the heart of our downtown, um, or it is part of our downtown. So we're trying to improve that relationship as best we can. And we do it through quality of life. I think we try to do it through our relationship with uh, academics as well. Fair question. Anybody else? more or less for you, Mayor. Um, like a lot of manufacturing jobs they hear, you don't necessarily see them because they don't have a huge storefront like this in their business. Yeah. But I also see a lot of service jobs coming in and a lot of different restaurants and that kind of thing. Which would you more encourage? Oh, I would, I would encourage more the, uh, the light manufacturing jobs, I think, just because I think they provides a, a better wage, a more consistent wage. We have four industrial parks in the city of Youngstown that are pretty much filled up with light industrial jobs. Um, the uh, West Coast Chill Project, the Chill Can Project that we're going to be starting with the groundbreaking next week, um, you know, goes anywhere from labor to office executives. It'll be there hopefully up to 257 employees in three years. Um, we have a down on Poland Avenue. Uh, we have a company called Exol, which um, makes aluminum cans for m mostly for like Budweiser and Bud Light. Um, has like 250 employees. They do a great job. The service industry is, is helpful too. In the downtown area, it's good because it brings life to the downtown. Which trust me, when I first moved back here in '98, there wasn't much life going on. We still had. Uh, most of the square bricked up with the Federal Plaza look, and you guys may or may not remember that, but you couldn't get through downtown, really. It was just like one giant plaza, and it really killed off a lot of the businesses in downtown, and I think that was when was McKelvey? McKelvey was the mayor. Right. Uh, we finally got rid of that and, and opened things up, um, and, and that's, good. that's good to have. You need to have life in downtown. Um, just want to interject one thing. A lot of the things that you see going on in downtown Youngstown are, are not obviously solely the result of decisions I helped push through. And these are decisions that go back to the mid-80s when Pat Ungaro was the mayor of Youngstown, you know, six or seven years after the mills closed and 
you really started to see the, the negative effects of, of that um, disaster in 77 and 78. But you know, the city taking ownership of buildings, uh, the city creating a downtown community improvement corporation, transferring ownership of those buildings to that CIC, which was run by a lot of business executives on their board. Um, decisions that were made, you know, 30 years ago are turning out in a positive manner now. Mayor McKelvey's decision to rip up the plaza in downtown because it was just choking everything was great. Um, Jay Williams to um, you know, work on the Youngstown 2010 plan, which really helped form the basis of a lot of community groups and neighborhood groups across the city. That was a great decision. Um, so a lot of things going on that have taken place that were initially probably criticized by a lot of people. I know a guy like Pat Angaro took a ton of criticism for a lot of decisions he made as mayor. Um, but he was a guy, I mean, he was a former school teacher and a principal, and he, he, I think I learned from him, he had to, look, we got to make some decisions, and I don't give a blank of what anybody thinks about the decision or me. It's, we're going to see how it's going to pay off, and, and that's, that guides me, too, sometimes. I mean, sometimes you just got to say, this is a decision we're making, and we're going to move forward, and we'll see how the chips fall later on down the road. So, If I may piggyback on <clears throat> job opportunities and employment, um, it may surprise everybody to realize the largest sector of growth in Northeast Ohio is the healthcare industry. Uh, it's grown over 20% in the last decade. And when we say healthcare, you sit around the table and you immediately think nurses, which is a really hot area. Uh, you think physicians, <clears throat> but you need to think bigger than that. Healthcare, uh, every major in this university is, is a future em, uh, employment opportunity for a healthcare. We have more accountants than anybody in the whole area. We, PR and marketing is huge. Um, we, we need lots of PR and marketing folks. Uh, we need actuaries. Uh, it, you go down the list and that's, you know, we need that. We need uh, architects, engineers, the whole nine yards. So when you start to think about it, uh, you know, Mercy Health, we're not only the largest healthcare or the largest employer in this area, we're the third largest employer in the state of Ohio. I mean, that's pretty impactful when, you know, headquarters is in Cincinnati, but we've become uh, such a dominant uh, market, as they call it, uh, that we actually now have our own, we have a, a market. Don Klein's our senior market. I don't know, that. I think that, I didn't see that in the papers, but we actually have a complete reorganization now that he is now our northern market president. So it's fairly significant. So you don't, don't only think of that. I mean, there's you know, there's social workers, I mean, you name it, dietitians, nutrition, I can't even, you know, think of them all. There's so many. And, and we house the uh, hospital systems IT folks in right. a, a oh, yeah. building with three floors of people down in the uh, IBM. building, right, the IBM building right across from the mm -hmm. post office downtown, <laughs> um, and they've been down there for seven, eight, ten years, somewhere? Yeah. Almost ten yes. years. Uh, there's a little sign outside that says, uh, Mercy Health System IT Department and Billing. And so, you know, three floors of a building with, uh, I don't know, 100 people, 150 people. Probably, yeah. Um, a hospital system like theirs is not just doctors and nurses. And I think maybe along that lines, you know, the care of seniors across the area as well. You know, Park Vista, um, they just changed uh, their company name as well. Right. Great facility, but <clears throat> the needs for um, senior care assisted living care, um, all those ailments that have come as you get older in life. And then a lot of these places are rehab facilities now for knee replacements, hip replacements, probably, I don't know, shoulders, do we uh, rotator cuff stuff sure. like that? So, I mean, uh, when you're talking about the service industry to human beings as well, that, that continues to grow around the area also. And it's, it's important to, to balance these things in concert, right, between your light industry. I mean, that, and I, I think it goes back to Mayor's comments, and we talked a little bit about this, you know, that you guys, I, someone said, you know, after everything I say to you guys, I say, does that make sense? And I think it was you, Sarah, and I said, well, you got to understand, four years ago I was 
as a kid meeting with these people and learning, you know, how to kind of, you know, be effective and, 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 and contribute to these processes. And you, sometimes you get a lot of, a lot of credit for stuff you're working on, but people don't realize that I've read plans back to 19, in the fifties by planners that were way smarter than me, that just the timing wasn't right or the leadership wasn't there and things didn't happen. So it's important, first of all, to know that, you know, there's likely someone that was before you doing great work. Um, and you need to recognize that you can't, you know, you don't, you're just not blazing saddles and coming in here and tearing things up. But you need to be cognizant of people that were working really hard before you and maybe just didn't have the, 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 the luck that, you know, you know, you're walking into. And then um, another thing like this chill can factory, I remember being in grad school in Columbus. I think we talked a little bit about this because this was announced right before our last class. I was in Columbus working for a planning firm as an intern when we were hired to do the Youngstown zoning code revision and it was to take all these former residential areas which you see are vacant lots, vacant structures um, where this, this, this plan is scheduled to go to and making it zoning it so that if an opportunity for jobs like light industry, chill can, and assembly manufacturing happened, the city could could prepare properly and incentivize someone to, to move there. So, you know, that was, I was in grad school in 2009, right? So it's 2016 and I'm sitting up here and realizing at the time, I was like, why, you know, why would we want to be doing this? What is this going to do? It's really cool for me and, and I'm not a part of that project, right? But I was in some format, you know, almost 10 years ago so yeah and that might be like we talk about making decisions that you know you, you have to worry about them but you know over if, you know, between Oak Street and Hamron over here and uh, Lane Avenue and um, this is high that's maybe later but Fruit Street over here if you go over there nice streets used to be like the really the heart of Youngstown a lot of great people grew up in these neighborhoods over here uh, back in the 20s my Dad's aunt and uncle had like a little penny candy store, a newsstand, right in the parking lot that's right next door to Immaculate Conception Church when you come off of 680. So I knew the area really relatively well, but if you go there now, there's probably five or six occupied houses on that street. They're all clustered down towards Oak Street, down towards Immaculate Conception. And the rest is either largely vacant or abandoned houses. So I got a guy who's coming in saying, hey, I've got this idea for something that can create 240 jobs for a city that really needs some, needs jobs, needs income tax dollars. And so, you know, the decision to try to figure out a way to move five families or five residential homes out of this area versus 240 jobs is quite frankly a pretty easy one to make once you do the pros and cons. And, Sure, it took a little bit of time to, for us and our representatives to talk with these neighbors over here and reach, you know, come to negotiations with them and reach a fair price. I think we've reached agreement with everybody over there. But the, the Business Journal wrote an article about it in our most recent edition, and the reporter, Danny O'Brien, went and talked to a lot of these residents and they're like, look, we understand what the city wants to do. You know, we've been able to reach a fair price with them. And, you know, we're, we're set to move to this new place, or I've got a new apartment over here. Um, but they're like, we understand the city needs to create jobs, and our area is pretty wide open and pretty accessible and highway access. So the message we were trying to deliver to those folks was, look, we're not, we are trying to chase you out of here, but we're not going to tear your house down while you're in it and throw you out. We're going to try to figure out something for you. But, you know, we, we need this area. We need this little stretch of property. And over time, that's, that's worked out well. Um, you know, the newspaper and the TV stations kept saying, well, you know, you're throwing them out, or you're going to use eminent domain. And I said, well, that, that's like when we physically take their property. I said, that's the, the end of the road if you can't reach a, you know, a good decision with them or a fair one. And we were able to do that, and that just takes, just takes time sometimes. But again, the one thing I hear as mayor all the time, is the need to create jobs or help create jobs because I don't think we don't create the jobs we just help create the atmosphere that, for the jobs to be brought in so yeah very very cool example of again making decisions balancing decisions and their impact and uh, why some of these processes and partnerships are so important because of, and I'm sure the mayor will tell you 
there's, there's got to be public, private, maybe even some nonprofit collaboration happening just to make that, you know, to the point where you can go out and announce it to the newspaper. So that's it's kind of that's a kind of a perfect case study or example if we wanted to dive in more of all of our you know research and expert speakers that we've had and, and how these relationships and sectors work together. That's to you know to impact the. Uh, quality of life for your municipality that's a pretty much a perfect example that we're all looking forward to seeing it develop and go ahead yeah. uh, <laughs> I think that drives home a point too starting back in 2009 as decisions and the impact of those decisions become larger and larger uh, the time element becomes longer and longer and, and part of the reasons for that is that uh, at Mercy Health, but I actually sit on our foundation board now, we only meet four times a year. And, and we are charged, uh, as, as a group of individuals selected, to make the ultimate decision based upon recommendations from, as the mayor pointed out, he has the uh, luxury of having a smaller city so he can have hands-on. But as we continue to move up the chain, we don't have hands-on. We have, you know, we're, we've got 38,000 employees, we've got... Uh, 8,000 physicians, not to mention uh, all the other things going on. So our we only get to see, I mean, we get continuous emails, but we only meet four times a year. And it may take months, and, and we, you know, we may require that uh, we need to understand this better. Can somebody come and address this? Well, guess what? The next time that's addressed is the next board meeting, unless we make a, a, a particular special meeting for that. So things take a while. And uh, I've been the program director since, I think, 08, so that's eight years. And uh, I've learned lots of patience and humility because things take <coughs> lots of time, even things that seem so apparent. Yeah. Uh, because I, I answer, I don't make decisions as the program director. I, I make recommendations, and it goes up the food chain, too. And so, you know, my, my trustees only meet twice a year. And in this project we're talking about, I mean, it took us 18 months to get to the point where we are now with that project. So <clears throat> we, we managed to keep the project very quiet for 17 of those months. Um, but things things take time, and um, the, whether it's government and private sector, uh, there's, there's always information sharing that has to occur. Uh, even in our fast-paced society, it still takes face-to-face -face meetings or Skypes or whatever you want to call them. Um, to occur, you, your decision making doesn't take place like that. Very, very good advice. Any other specific questions? Just going off that, so would you say time is probably one of the biggest issues you face, some problems in general? You mean Getting, like uh, having problems. enough time or? Just time, like you know, you're saying it, it, you only have what, four business meetings, uh, meetings board meetings, board meetings, sorry. And that just that lack of uh, communication with the entire group, or so. Well, it's not a lack of communication. I mean, emails go out daily and constantly. There's an amazing amount of communication, but the the actual decision makers only meet a specified number of times per year. Uh, same thing at the university you're attending. Your board of trustees only meet. What do you mean? I think it's yeah. I think it's quarterly. No, I mean, and there are other subcommittees that meet and do their ongoing. But um, the impact of those decisions is, is pretty dramatic, and so uh, that's I think why they have the purposes of boards. So you get lots of individuals. You know, you have attorneys and judges and educators and professors, people that that represent all walks of life. But what's really impactful is they they bring a different. Uh, and just a valued thought process to the uh, dilemma that you're attempting to resolve. And for us, I think time is, um, you know, with, with, with government, time is factored into a lot of decisions that we make. You know, our city council meets every two weeks, and they, sometimes they may take what we call three readings of a particular piece of legislation, which means three separate meetings before they'll vote on something. So that if they do that for every piece of legislation, that takes six weeks for even the simplest things to be approved for 
our board of control to uh, to execute contracts. Um, there's always you know uh, due process rights to on property decisions to tear a house down. You know we have to track down an owner of a property, and then we have to give them a specific time period within which they can file an appeal of our decision to tear a property down. So you always have like a two-week interval or a 30-day interval. Um, and so I guess that time for us, I guess, is uh, we always have to factor in this project here. The <coughs> developer, he just didn't understand at times why we couldn't make certain decisions right away. To approve contracts, I, our board of control, which is the mayor, the finance director, and the law director, we have to have an ordinance passed by our city council authorizing us to enter into contracts on behalf of the city. That takes time. And so from the public perspective, there's just delay, delay, delay. But from the public sector perspective, those are like safeties that are built into the system to protect the public interest, to protect, to make sure there's enough dialogue, to encourage discussion. Um, and so it, that's... Government itself takes a little bit of time to work itself out. Yeah, the, the, I remember I, I've been home for a little over four years now, and my first job back here was largely related to housing programs, so <coughs> code enforcement, uh, inventory to figure out you know rate properties that they needed demolished or if they could be rehabbed, and communicating with the city's code enforcement and law office and. You know, as a as a kid that grew up frequenting, you know, the YMCA or going to church down here, and a lot of my aunts and uncles still live in the city, but I grew up in, in Poland, so come in off South Avenue, and you, you're driving down, and around the dinner table, you hear, wow, the city should do, and this was before I was involved, you know, this is probably back when Mary McKelvey was there, the city should be doing that, it should tear down this, and do it. But then, when I actually was working in the system and I could understand the checks and balances that you needed to take and the notice periods and communicating with property owners, some they don't even know they own the property and the appeal process, I was able to go back to that dinner table and you know tell my uncles <laughs> to cool it, like this is how the process works and you need to be strategic and you only have so many amount of funds and if the city owns the property, they have to go through you know environmental protection agency guidelines to do the proper cleanup and. If you do it just willy-nilly, you could have foundations that aren't covered. Kids could be walking around these neighborhoods. You demolish a property, they could fall in the base. I mean, there's so many layers, and I, I don't think until you truly participate or get involved will you ever understand the challenges and the, you know, the intention that needs to go into even simple decisions like tearing the house down just because it's, it's obviously needs torn down. So it's important to, to understand your systems before you try to operate in them. I think this was a really good, fantastic discussion, and I think by no real intention, it was really based on everybody's availability to, to get our speakers in, but I do, at least I feel this way, I think it's been nice, the flow of it, and how we ended up here with uh, Mr. Mayor and, and Dr. Beck, and uh, I think, um, you know, we want to be mindful of their time, it is 6 o'clock usually when we start wrapping up, I know Dr. Dr. Beck, you had a... Uh, presentation. I, I can't leave it with them. Um, at this time, I, sure. I usually give them a chance just to let you guys know what they're working on. It, sure. So we give them a palette of the projects <laughs> with some structure. Again, they're all double major, triple minors. Some of them work on their own business. So we give them projects that are maybe going to happen, organizations that they can gravitate towards. Um, and we did give them the opportunity to build their own projects. So at this time, before we turn our speakers loose, um, if you had any specific projects where you think they might be able to guide you a little bit, you're going to get no better opportunity than being right across the table from them. So I'll turn it over and you can head in that direction for the next couple of minutes before they have to leave. Anybody want to go first? Or if it's not, if you don't have a question, maybe just explain How about what you're you doing. share with us what your projects yeah. are? Start with Dan. Okay. Go that way. We usually go around this way. Um, I'm working as the chair of recruitment for YSUScape. Um, are you familiar with YSUScape at all? He's not painting any crosswalks, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> painting crosswalks, right. Um, we're a group of students that do work days to beautify the adjacent communities around YSU campus and the suburbs of Youngstown. And, um, I'm tasked with getting more students involved in YSUScape as well as um, maintaining involvement over the next few years. Great. And we certainly appreciate your efforts because we've seen the work that YSUScape has done. I've 
Got the worst case of poison ivy in my entire life up on, uh, <laughs> on Elm Street, yeah. Broadway, yeah. working with YSU Skate Lab. We've all, we all been through one That's of the poison ivy this year, but yeah. Um, but yeah, you guys do a great job, so keep up the good work. Thank you. People people notice that work. You're, you're a new member yourself, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, within the Honors College, I'm planning the National Hunger and Homelessness Awareness Week, which is November 13th to November 19th. So, planning a bunch of awareness activities as well as service activities, including a 30-hour famine. So, that'll be... And she, and she said the, a few different activities. It's a lot of different activities. It's pretty impressive. Uh, and she's one of somebody that chose their own project, so she's developed this from scratch. And you've, you're co-founder of an organization yourself, right? Yeah, PAYO, which stands for Poverty Awareness in Youngstown. So, the past two years, we've... Um, Went to Hardy. Did you come to my office? Right? Yes, yeah, yes. actually. Okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, last year we did carnival at Hardy Elementary School for the students, and this year we'll probably try and do the same. So. Okay, very good. Yeah. I am also working with YSC Escape. Um, I went to Nick Christian, who's the president, and said, I want to do something with Smokey Hollow because I'm living there. Um, I'm currently at the courtyard, so I'm on the downtown side of it. But um, a couple of weeks ago, or about a month ago, a resident of the community's sister came to ICU's cave and said, hey, my brother's having these issues, can you help him? He has diabetes, he has current complications with his leg, and he can't move around very well. Um, so we went and met with him, Nick and I, and we are working on doing some scraping on the posts of his um, house because the city said, listen, this isn't what we want has our escape. So we're scraping off the chip paint, repainting his post to a weather tight, helping out with um, the fallen board that fell on his vehicle in his carport, kind of trying to fix that up as best we can, pulling some deadlines and making around his place look a lot better. And we'll be doing that this coming Saturday. So. Very good. I'm also working with YSU Escape. I'm more on the, the art side of things. So I'm helping out with like the uh, marketing and like promo stuff as well as that. I was going to work on a mural, however that was, never got back to me. Oh, Nick's, so. Nick's going to be, be demoted. Dan, you could be sure. president now. <laughs> Nick could go back to painting road crosswalks. Well, uh, I had like, emailed uh, Tim and he was out of town and he told me whenever he got back he would. Oh, Tim had a baby, by the way. Yeah. So oh. Tim Petrie so was an uh, accountant partner at Harold Davids. Right. He was one of our speakers. Um, but he had a baby, I think, the next day after he was here. So that's probably, is that is Tim or Nick not get back to you? Uh, Tim. Oh, okay. So Nick's Nick will, up, we'll, Nick we'll let him be president until he graduates. Tim, we can reach out to, to Tim. But you know what? It's probably with the weather starting to change anyway. Yeah. If, if we want to adjust your focus and we could hit that hard in the spring. I didn't realize you were doing Watch Escape too, I don't think. Okay. Um, I am actually participating in the City of You project. Um, and what that basically is, is kind of bringing the morale back. So I'm working um, with my friend and partner in this project, Carly, who is in this class. She couldn't be here today. And we are actually collaborating with his brother on this, who's in film and editing and all that. Um, because I will say I am much more left-brained. So creative collaborating with us, good. <laughs> um, and basically what we're doing is... It's going to be a short kind of documentary film telling people, or people telling us why Youngstown. So why they came here, why they stayed, why they love it. And we're, have, we have a big focus on the people we're choosing as people have a really interesting story of why they're here. Not just, I was born here, like myself, but we have people from all over the world that chose Youngstown, ended up in Youngstown, and they want to stay here. Maybe you should talk to Father Bergner too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah a good interview, yeah. And you're coordinating with Dr. Professor R.J. Thompson at all? Um, I have not yet, but I'm going to. You, yes. Yeah, you're, you think you're, you're, you're good, you're on the right track. Okay. Make sure my brother helps. <laughs> okay. Thanks.
All right, so I'm kind of working with YSUScape as well as City of You. Um, I'm hosting an event after one of the YSUScape workdays to not only thank the volunteers, but also bring the community members in the, from the areas that they were working in to kind of, you know, bring the two together, the people who are working to make the city beautiful as well as the people who are living in the city. Um, so working with YSUScape on that, the event is actually going to be held um, in Mercy Hospital. So it's going to be there on November 19th. And then while we're there, it's going to be kind of like a Thanksgiving theme, so we're calling it Thankful for You. Um, going to have that follow along lines of the City View campaign, also do a couple of podcasts interviewing the people actually in the community, because I feel like sometimes their voice isn't heard as much, and they have stories just like other people, you know, in the city that we may know of a little bit more. Um, so, yeah. And that's one of the things that I've been pretty forceful with uh, Dr. Thompson and with Dominic about the City of You program, it can't just be, um, you know, talking with uh, political leaders in, in City Hall, and it can't be talking with folks around the campus. It needs to be a citywide mm -hmm. effort because there's a ton of people out in our community in every ward of the city and every neighborhood of the city who have interesting experiences and who have been here for their whole life, mm -hmm. um, and their voices don't get heard. Right. And so that's, that's good. I'm glad you're looking at other folks. Yeah. Well, they're the ones that make up Youngstown, so. That's, that's correct. Yeah. And we get you on an interview. <laughs> and make sure Dr. Beck knows about it, too. I mean, if Mercy's agreeing to help out. Mm -hmm. We'll be stopping by tomorrow, actually, to check out the space, so. What space will you be? Um, I think the dining room is one, two, and three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll be down the hall that day interviewing prospective resident candidates on the 19th. So. Oh. Yes, right before, Turkey. right? Yeah. I remember that was a... That was one of the complications that we had to work around, so. Doggone those dental guys, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Did their, uh, you should have them do free checkups to any residents show up. <laughs> Actually, we were here Tuesday at the university with your international students. That's right, yeah, we did read about it. And uh, uh, we were there because one of the big prob uh, challenges is they don't have health care. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And uh, it was interesting to uh, address a group of folks and then have to wait as... Uh, that was translated in three different languages by three different, yeah. Got to get that translator program going. Definitely. We're working on that. Great. Good. Okay, well, I think that, uh, I think the last question we always, uh, we, we end with is, uh, for anybody, uh, we'll ask each of you, we'll give you a quick chance to answer, but for anybody that's left, uh, maybe thinking about coming to Youngstown or coming back to Youngstown if they were here before, um, or maybe even these students, obviously these are the best and the brightest and they're going to have chances to go probably anywhere they want. Um, why, would you, why would you tell somebody uh, in those categories, you know, why Youngstown? Well, I think, you know, Dr. Beck and I, I think probably think along the same type of lines about that, um, that, you know, there's a lot of positive factors. I think family and community, uh, I think cost of living, attractions that we have, the attractions that are within one hour, the attractions that are within six hours in just about every direction. Um, you know, I, I would encourage everybody to get out and see the rest of the world. Um, you know, I've had a good chance, I've had the good opportunities to do some traveling, go to school in Washington, but uh, I think I always knew that I was coming back to Youngstown at some point, um, and that was bef before I got married, but... Um, you know, I just, this is my home, and I'm very comfortable here. <clears throat> I agree. I, I think uh, I can conclude by sharing why it is my grandchildren and, and son-in-law and daughter moved back. You know, Las Vegas sounds like a wonderful place. It, it was a wonderful place for them. They, they actually went out there uh, due to my son-in-law's job. He buys and uh, brokers high-end steel products for... Uh, defense industry, aeronautical space, titanium, and, and stainless steel products primarily. Uh, now they're uh, expanded to aluminum. Las Vegas, when they were out there, I'm going to, this probably six or eight years ago, I think is when I should know that because I paid for that wedding at some point, but uh, <laughs> they actually have been out there. Uh, property values were the pits, and so they actually live in a Gated community, $495,000 home, starter home that they got for $160,000. So 
So that would, can you imagine doing those same sort of property values here? You know, some of these homes in the city would go for, what, $8,000 probably. Yeah. So now, fast forward, now they have children and all of a sudden the school systems in Vegas are one, some of the poorest in the country. And uh, crime is amongst the highest in the country as well. So you tell your buddies that you didn't go to play baseball at UNLV because you didn't want to go to a crime ridden <laughs> okay. What's the difference? Well, the difference is sometimes you need to tell your own story. And, and that's why I'll take this opportunity to compliment each and every one of you because sometimes we just don't tell our own story well. And, uh, and every opportunity that you have to share that, tell your own story. So why do we want to be here? Uh, yeah, educational system, church, and uh, let me tell you something. I don't know how the mayor feels about this, but I have, uh, I'm a professor at Pittsburgh and at Ohio State University, so on occasion I have to go there, and I don't, I travel early in the morning because I don't want to, I'm up early anyway. I wouldn't want to travel in that traffic, whether it be Pittsburgh or worse yet, Columbus, on a daily basis for anything in the world. And by the way, when you're in Columbus, and you're going to go from A to B, it takes 45 minutes anyway, if you, if you really feel that way. We're 45 minutes from Pittsburgh when you're in Poland. I mean, it, so we are a big city, you know, so to speak. And uh, did you copy that flash drive? Okay, because I want you guys to look at when I recruit, just look at the city, not from a Youngstown, just... Not what you grew up in, just pretend you're looking at some other city. What we have as far as museums, culture, theater, you know, don't forget we were some of the, we were one of the wealthiest communities in the country for a very long time. And we had folks who invested, you know, the Butler Art Museum. <laughs> have you guys been there? That's what I tell all our residents. I'm bored. I'm bored. You've been in the Butler? <laughs> Mill Creek Park? My gosh, you know, the restaurants we have, the diversity, you know, it, it's, we're blessed. And, you know, it's, you can always look at the negative, look at the positive. You know, I, I always challenge my children to say, you know what, there are two kinds of folks. There's the folks who accept no for an answer, and there's the ones who go and get it done. So, yeah. so that's our city. I mean, who would want to go there? Very good. Well, I think we want to say thank you to our speakers. Thank you. Thank you. To our, uh, to our uh, semester here. We do have a little bit more in terms of your project implementation, but to wrap things up, we get a quick picture oh, yeah. with, yeah. Our, uh, with our speakers and the students. I'll grab the picture, and we'll, we'll be sharing this uh, as a podcast, again, to Feed the City of You campaign. So thank you for that. And... Uh, <coughs> Yeah, I was just down here. Yeah, let me uh